Abbey, Bill O'Reilly talks Trump and 2020. Congressman Devin Nunes on impeachment insanity. And Major League Baseball champ Barry Zito hits life's curveballs. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Welcome to our show tonight. We have a great, great lineup of so much fun. And we're honoring our veterans. And we're going to do it in such a special way. You're going to enjoy it. You know, we ought to honor them every week, but at least once a year when we have Veterans Day. It's so appropriate for us just to recognize that we would not have our freedom if it weren't for the people who put on a uniform and often, many cases, went halfway around the world took on enemies, risked their lives, risked everything, and then won our freedom for us. How grateful we all need to be for the veterans of the United States of America who gifted us our freedom. Thank God for every one of them. Well, you hear a lot about it, but is there such a thing as a deep state? You bet there is. And though it's been around a long time, it's never been as obvious, as identifiable, or as desperate as it is now. Now, the deep state is not really so much left or right, conservative or liberal. No, it's more about protecting the self-serving institutions of government at all costs. And the reason it wasn't obvious or that you never really heard much about a shadow government that really ran things was because no one had ever threatened their power. Administrations came and went, both Democrat and Republican. And for all the fiery rhetoric, rhetoric rather, during an election, only minor policy changes ever took place within administrations. The notable exception was the more disruptive policies during the Reagan administration that actually were successful in ending the Cold War. Not just ending it, but winning it. Now, the experts of foreign policy then, they hated Reagan. They sought to undermine his aggressive stance against communism. And frankly, behind the scenes, they leaked stories to the media to make it appear that Reagan was a dangerous, ignorant cowboy that were gonna cause America to get into a nuclear war. But his eight years were actually the most peaceful in several generations. And his instincts to defeat communism, rather than to merely coexist with it, proved to be right. Donald Trump represented a very real and a different kind of threat to the deep state establishment. In the past, even a president with clear principles was still dependent upon the same donor pool to get elected and stay elected. And the donor pool that funds the status quo has typically been able to keep things pretty much the same, regardless if the leaders are Democrat or Republican. It was good business for what President Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. Well, along comes Donald Trump, who funded his own campaign with his own money. He's the first president in my lifetime to get nominated and elected without being owned and obligated to the mega donors of the DC power circle and the special interests that they represent. That independence is a clear and present danger to the swamp rats of Washington, and they are fighting back with a vengeance. So when you see a parade of diplomats or military people on Trump-hating CNN or other media outlets, never forget that an underlying mandate of our constitutional republic is that the ultimate power is to be vested with we, the people. There is a glaring reason that a civilian president is the commander-in-chief of the military and that foreign policy is solely vested in the president, not in the career bureaucrats and diplomats of the State Department. No one, and I mean no one, elected the bureaucrats or the government employees or even the generals to make policy decisions. You see, our founders wanted the power to wage war and to deal with foreign governments to be led by those elected by 
and therefore accountable to the people. Anything else? We'd be ruled by unelected and unknown bosses who didn't choose to stand for election. And because President Trump has openly defied conventional norms for conducting military and foreign policy, the entire deep state has come undone. No one has ever threatened their ironclad control. And they're going berserk to preserve and to protect their kingdom at the expense of yours. So just remember this one important truth. The deep state hates Donald Trump. They will stop at nothing to impeach him, defeat him, and destroy him. But what they really fear is that you will find out about them and demand that the deep state gets dismantled and that we have a government that really does exist for and which serves we, the people. My next guest grew up on a farm in the breadbasket of Central California. His hard work and common sense led him to Washington in 2003, where he's been representing the 22nd District of California in Congress. He's also the ranking member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. A personal disclaimer, because of his fearless and tireless efforts to simply get to the truth, I've called him my Huck's hero in Congress. Please welcome from San Luis Obispo, Congressman Devin Nunes. Glad you're with us again, Congressman. Governor, it's always great to be with you. Thanks a lot for having me back on. Attorney Mark Zayed is one of the attorneys representing the intelligence community whistleblower in this impeachment inquiry. Now, it's been revealed that Zayed has passed tweets stating things like that a coup has started and that impeachment will follow ultimately, and then we will get rid of President Trump. This country is strong enough to survive even him and his supporters, and I end the quote. How can this lawyer even be involved in this inquiry any longer? You know, you have to ask the whistleblower that. It's the whistleblower who decided to hire the lawyer. I, I was really shocked. This really reminds me of the dirty cops at the FBI, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and others, and all of their text messages about how Trump was going to lose 100 million to zero to Hillary Clinton, uh, that there were smelly people at Walmart, that they could smell the Trump support at Walmart. Uh, that's what these tweets remind me of. So, you know, I don't have any ill will towards the lawyer. He's free to express what he wants. But, you know, the whistleblower probably would want to get somebody different uh, just so you don't have that that problem. And, you know, remember, the, the whole issue here with the whistleblower is, is that we don't know who the whistleblower is. So there's a lot of questions, which is why we're going to have to interview this whistleblower before we get to these public hearings. Was there material importance to Ambassador Sondland changing his story and recollection of what took place in the White House Ukraine call? Well, the media likes to make a big deal about Ambassador Sondland. So let's, uh, let's remember what's, what's going on here. So I, th I think this is important for your audience to understand. There's two common themes that, that we know of. Number one is, is that Donald Trump has no use for Ukraine. He thinks they're corrupt. He's upset about the things that they did to him, that high level officials in Ukraine did to his campaign back in 2016. That's one thing we know, we know for sure. The second thing we know is that there were a bunch of bureaucrats, uh, both in the State Department and at the, at the NSC in the White House, who had a problem, a clear problem, that Donald Trump had set up a separate channel. The president set up a special channel with a special envoy uh, named Kurt Volker to deal with Ukraine issues and have basically went around the, the normal chain of command. Ambassador Sondland is the EU ambassador. Uh, he just agreed to help Ambassador Volker. The key here is, is that Sondland did talk directly to the president of the United States and never once did the president of the United States tell Ambassador Sondland that there was that, that he was expecting anything in return. That much is clear. And in fact, Ambassador Sondland says repeatedly that the president just didn't want to talk about it ever. So, so the idea that the phone call actually did occur, Ambassador Sondland was successful in having the phone call occur on July 25th. What he changed his testimony about is about a discussion that he had with a Ukrainian official in September. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that timeline? The whistleblower comes in in August. 
So whatever Sondland did has nothing to do with the, the whistleblower. And, and all Sondland is saying is, is that he knew that there had to be a statement on corruption, which, by the way, that's law that the U.S. Congress passed. We passed that, that Ukraine had to show progress, that there was no corruption, that they were doing something to root out corruption. Why? Because they've been corrupt since the fall of the Soviet Union. Congressman, there's a great book by journalist Lee Smith just released entitled The Plot Against the President, the true story of how Congressman Devin Nunes uncovered the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. I wish you'd tell us about the efforts to expose the charade of Russian collusion against the president because you're really the front and center of this absolutely blockbuster book. If you look at three years of, of media stories, uh, you know, there's a daily attack on either myself or my team and the Republicans that are on our team that, you know, was net and the truth was not going to be told until this book. So it's it's our um, it's our reflections on what happened along with Lee Smith's investigative reporting. And I will tell you, for someone who is not an expert on the Russia hoax and Russia Gate and and looking today at what what the Department of Justice is looking at in terms of the eight criminal referrals. There's a lot of new information in this book, and I think Lee Smith did a great job in making it easy to understand. And I think that's why it's doing so well. Uh, it was a number one bestseller on Amazon last week uh, and even made the uh, fake news New York Times bestseller list. Why isn't there outrage or at least some attention given to the Bidens boasting about giving the Ukrainians six hours to fire their prosecutors or else the U.S. doesn't send money. I think there's two important issues. So there's the issue that you just raised there about the Bidens. So how did the whole, how did the Bidens get into this? How did we ultimately discover that the Bidens were involved in this? It's real simple. It actually is related to the Russia hoax. So if you look at the Steele dossiers, Okay, that in Lee Smith's book, he actually shows how Steele didn't even write those dossiers. These were the dossiers, the dirt that the Clintons and the Democratic Party were paying for. A lot of that dirt originates in Ukraine. So Democratic operatives were, were talking to Ukrainians, digging up dirt, or supposedly, we don't even know if that's true, talking to Ukrainians uh, and feeding that dirt to Fusion GPS that made it into the Steele dossier that ultimately made it into the FBI. A lot of this originated with the Democrats that they had paid for. So clearly, uh, those of us who are interested in getting to the bottom of what happened in the 2016 election, we would want to know about that. So what happened is we started to look at that. Lo and behold, this whole issue with Burisma and Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, uh, getting paid an astronomical amount of money. Some people say it's as much as $85,000 per month. Uh, and he got put on this board. And then you match that with now knowing emails that come from the State Department, there's no question that there is that something is wrong here and there should be an investigation. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Great to have you back. Well, thank you so much, Governor. I always enjoy being with you and talking with you. Now, you can learn more about Congressman Nunes at nunes.house.gov. Follow him on Twitter at Devin Nunes. Be sure to get your copy of journalist Lee Smith's book, The Plot Against the President, the true story of how Congressman Devin Nunes uncovered the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. Powerful book, and it's available wherever books are sold. Now, before I hand things over to Keith, I want to remind you that there's more news analysis from me on facts of the matter. I'll give you my take on the ABC News Jeffrey Epstein fiasco and I'm going to answer some viewer questions on the liberal takeover of our school systems and the White House Supreme Court challenge to California's sanctuary cities. Just visit Huckabee.tv and click on After the Show. Okay, Keith, take it away. Coming up, POW survivor Colonel Smitty Harris and later news commentator Bill O'Reilly plus vocal group The Swing Dolls sing an Andrew Sisters tribute right here on Huckabee.
And welcome back to our very special Veterans Day show here on TBN. We're happy to have you with us. Well, my next guest is a highly decorated Air Force colonel who was shot down over Vietnam in 1965. He endured eight years, eight years of torture. His incredible story is told in his new book. It's called Tap Code, the epic survival tale of a Vietnam POW and the secret code that changed everything. It's a true honor to welcome Colonel Carlisle Smitty Harris. Smitty, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So nice to be here. You. Colonel, you were shot down April of 1965. Um, you're flying that, an F-105. Yes. When, when that happens, does everything just go into slow motion? I mean, that's what we hear. But did, did that happen for you? <laughs> no. Uh, it, I was very, very busy setting up a proper dive bombing mission on a uh, large bridge near the city of Thamois. And I was so busy, I could see flak all around the airplane. I was the first airplane to go in on the target of about 28, I think. And so every gunner on the ground looked at me. So when this happens, you, you get hit. Do you know immediately you're not going to be able to keep that airplane in the air? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the F-105 is a single-engine airplane, uh, very, very capable, and with one pilot. And uh, when that engine is hit and goes out, you know you're not going very far. So you parachute out, you're captured by uh, Viet Cong. When that happens, did you think, this is it, I'm going to die today? From pandemonium and activity, all of a sudden there was just silence. Mm. And I looked down for a possibility of escape or, or invade or hills or trees. I was right over a large Vietnamese village and rice paddies all around as far as you could see. So there was really no chance. When they captured you, they took you to what we now know as the Hanoi Hilton, where you spent a large part of that eight years. You know, it's not like an American prison where you get to see your family and you have letters. You have nothing for all this time. How did you survive and cope with just not knowing if your family were even aware what had happened to you? Many cases, some of our guys uh, were, didn't, families didn't know for years whether they were even alive. Fortunately, in my case, my wife found out in about three months that I was alive. Mm. Although my squadron had said, seemed, said, told her that they saw the airplane hit the ground in a huge ball of flame and saw no parachute but she believed from the very beginning I was alive. You and your wife still together after all these years. A lot of couples after something like that don't make it as a married couple. They end up splitting. What was the secret of the two of you being able to live through eight years of separation, all of the torture that you went through, and to be able to put your life, your marriage back together, and to, as we say, live happily ever after? It was like I walked around the block. Really? We were in love. We said our wedding vows. We believed in them. Both of us had a strong faith through our whole lives. And we just knew that separation of any kind, except forced, was not in the equation. We were one. The book is about the tap code, and it's something that really probably saved the lives and certainly the spirits of a lot of the people who were prisoners of war during Vietnam. You brought the tap code to the other people who had been shot down. Where did you learn the tap code? Well, I learned it at uh, a training school for escape and evasion. The instructor was talking about in World War II, American POWs in Germany were able to tap on a pipe that was common, and they carried the sound to another building. Uh, I'll give a real quick one. 
I think she you... said, it is so much fun being on the Huckabee show. <laughs> I have never had so much joy in my life. Was that it? Was that what? No, go ahead. What was? <laughs> that was GBU. God bless you. Huh. And we use that so often in our communications, particularly if one of our members came back from a torture session and we knew it, uh, as soon as his door was slammed shut and the guard was out of range, the first thing he would hear on the wall was GBU. Mm. Uh, just to show that we really wanted God to bless him mm. and we were with him and he would recover and be a member of our unit again. You really are a hero, sir. <laughs> you truly are. Genuinely. Thank you. All of us tried our very best to do what we knew we should do and try to do it the best way we could. It's one of the great chapters of American history that I hope people like you will continue to tell the story. And I also hope that every American will be incredibly grateful for the veterans of the Vietnam era who despite our government not always doing what it should have done, the men and women of our unif in uniform, they did exactly what they were sent to do. And we owe them one great big debt of appreciation. Colonel, thank you. God thank bless you. Thank you, Governor. What a pleasure to have you here. I know our viewers are going to want the book Tap Code. And you can find links to order it on Amazon and other retailers through tapcodebook.com. And that's also where you can find a photo gallery and a lot more, plus a free online sample of the book. And once you read it, I think you'll be ordering it. Again, it's tapcodebook.com. Our own Keith Bilbrey is tapped into tonight's show, and he's going to tell you what we have coming up next. Well, on the way, next baseball all-star pitcher Barry Zito and political radio host Bill O'Reilly. Then, Huck's hero, Suzette Graham on Huckabee. And welcome back to our special Veterans Day edition of Huckabee. Now be sure to drop by MikeHuckabee.com for my latest take on soft coups, hard-headed media, and just right family-friendly news analysis. And while you're there, sign up for my free newsletter delivered to your email box twice a day. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at GovMikeHuckabee for my freewheeling and fun observations on the wild and woolly worldwide web. Well, my next guest was a Cy Young Award winner and two-time World Series champion pitcher who is now a successful musician and songwriter. Now, that's a, a certain segue and transition. In his brand-new book, it's called Curveball. He takes a very frank look back at how his ego and fame took him to rock bottom and how he came back with God's help. Would you please welcome Barry Zito. Barry, thank you for coming. Mike. Barry, there was a time you were signed as the highest paid pitcher in Major League history. That yeah. alone is pretty cool. I would have yeah. taken the check and said, bye-bye, you <laughs> There was times when I actually wanted to give it all back, if you can believe it. I'll take it. Uh, just go ahead and write. I'll give you the uh, wiring information. Yes. No, seriously, I mean, that, that is such a big deal. I mean, you had an extraordinary Major League career. Two World Series. Most people never play in one. So... You were on top of the world. When did it start feeling like things were unraveling? You know, it's funny. Well, before I get into this, I just want to say thank you to all the vets in the crowd because mm. I'm a big advocate. <clears throat> yeah. um, you know, for me, I came up pretty, pretty quickly through the minors, and I had a Cy Young in my second full season. So at that point, actually, that was when I started to get a little worried because you kind of at the top of the mountain where you always want to go. Now, what's next? I signed a seven-year contract with the Giants. Yeah. And so my father, you know, amazing person, but, you know, I, he was always pushing so hard for success and all these things, and I kind of lost the love for the game. Mm. And so when I signed that seven-year contract, 
instead of just saying, wow, that is some kind of crazy thing. I don't even know how to, you know, uh, comprehend that amount of money or what I need to do to live up to it. I'm just going to keep pitching and do what I did to get here and everything will take care of itself. But, but I took it all on myself to prove myself every five months, every five days to win the approval of the fans. And it pretty much drove me insane for many years and culminated when I got left off the 2010 roster and had to watch the team that I was hired to come lead to the World Series actually win it in front of me, and I, I wasn't allowed to play. And wow, that, that had to have been a very painful moment of your life. And, you know, you're known for one of the greatest curveballs in the history of the game. The book is called Curveball, but it's mm -hmm. not so much about your pitch. It's about the curveballs that life kind of threw your way. It was, yeah. Like so many of us, I think, growing up in America, we want to strive, and, and ambition is great, but I think it needs perspective as well to balance it. And I didn't have any. So I thought that fame and money, success, you know, hot chicks, fast cars, all that stuff that mm -hmm. kind of we all try to get sometimes, especially as young adults, I thought that was it. Okay, if I, if I achieve that, I'm happy, I'm fulfilled. But it wasn't sustainable. It was a, a quick you know, a quick fuse, and it got me kind of high for a little bit, and I was back at baseline. Okay, what's next? So Your spiritual life changed. Who introduced you or what introduced you to the idea that maybe all the fame and the fortune is not everything it is cracked up to be? You need to have God in your life and, and to know the Lord. When did that become a point of awareness for you? Yeah, I, I didn't grow up with any of that. So for me, actually watching the team win the World Series and sadly rooting against them at times because I was so caught in my ego. I went home that off season, I went to a 12-step program and for, you know, codependency and I was obsessed with people's opinions. And step two was admitting there's a power greater than me that can mm. restore my sanity. And I said, yes, please, <laughs> something because I'm at the end of myself. So six months later, a girl I was dating who now is my wife mm. said, put all your self-help books away read this book and it was the Bible and I never really dove in and that was the first time and you know I was a Jesus surrendered to Jesus a few months after that so you know the Bible has some pretty powerful messages <laughs> even now as old as the book is oh. it's still changing people's lives it's changed yours it is true wisdom and I think true wisdom and truth will stand the test of time indefinitely you know I was fascinated by the fact that when you grew up your parents both worked with Nat King Cole, the great singer. Uh, so music was a part of your background, but you went off into baseball. Now you've come full circle, and Barry Zito has gone from baseball megastar to music, <laughs> uh, singer, writer. That's a transition. Did your parents sort of in put that into you? Was that part of your DNA? You know, ironically, uh, and the guys in the band will probably laugh, but my dad said, don't go into the music industry. You can't make a living. And so he said, three pitches, fastball, curve, changeup. You master that, they will send scouts to find you. And um, so my parents have both passed, sadly, but I, I'm so happy writing songs here in Nashville and just built a little studio and just having so much fun. Well, you know, the book is fantastic. It's called Curveball, How I Discovered True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. You can find it along with Barry's music, tour dates, and a whole lot more, all at his website, barryzitomusic.com. You can follow at Barry Zito Music on your social media platform of choice. Now, after the show, be sure to go to Huckabee.tv. You're going to see Barry's exclusive performance of a song, Secret to Life. Keith Bilbrey is not going to throw any of you a curveball when he tells you what we've got coming up after the break. Well, coming up, political commentator Bill O'Reilly and advocate for senior veteran Suzanne Graham. Then the swing doll sing an Andrew Sister tribute right here on Huckabee. Welcome back to our show. A big hand of applause for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. All right, I want to remind you to visit Huckabee.tv for a great edition of In Case You Missed It. We've got everything from a professor that wants to send an entire race of people out into outer space, as well as UNESCO putting underwear on sculptures. 
Don't miss some great laughs at Huckabee.tv. And by the way, once you're there, just click on after the show. Well, my friend Bill O'Reilly has known President Trump for over 30 years, and he just published a book on his distinct brand of politics. It's entitled The United States of Trump. Bill and I recently talked about it and the upcoming 2020 presidential elections. Take a look. Bill, your latest book, The United States of Trump, uh, insight into the man who became president. A lot of people said he couldn't. What gave you the indication that this is a guy that could get this job and perhaps even keep it? Well, I was a doubter at first. I mean, he I was sitting with him, Governor, about I don't know, six years ago in Madison Square Garden, watching the Knicks lose another one. And, you know, his attention span is about 60 seconds. So he's uh, wandering off and he says to me, you know, I'm thinking about running for president. And I go, of what country? I thought it was, I thought it was a joke. Um, and I never really, I never really locked in on that he had. I knew that he had flirted with it in the early 1990s with Jesse Ventura in a really bizarre uh, come together that I write about in the United States of Trump. But Donald Trump has a gift, and that gift is that he understands what working people are thinking. It's amazing, because he's about as far away from a working person as you can get. He's got this instinct, Trump does, um, that he can basically feel emotionally where things are going, and, and he gets ahead of it. So I have the four pillars of his belief system that got him elected. Let's go through. What are those four primary things that you were able to distill about Donald Trump? Number one is the economy and how to make money. So he believes that he can transfer the how to make money to the masses of working people. Number two, is immigration, that it must be legal and you've got to stop the chaos at the border and all these people coming here that the federal government have no idea who they are. Number three is Islam. Donald Trump does not respect the religion because it did not rise up en masse after 9-11. Number four, he thinks that the politicians before him, Obama, Bush the Younger, Clinton, all sold the country out in trade deals and other deals, treaties. He thinks they all sold America out, that we always get the uh, bad end of the stick. And those four things he was able to convince people that he would improve. So why does he think differently? Uh, and why is he right most of the time? I think that he sees everything as a transaction. There, there have been two presidents that have really governed in a transactional way. Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Donald Trump. And so he sees every issue as a transaction and that he, Donald Trump, is talented enough as a negotiator to get the better part of the transaction for the country. So that eliminates the pinheads. And that's why the Washington <laughs> establishment hates him. He basically said, I can make the best deals in every area. And then when he gets criticized for it, he doesn't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. And, and that's where the tension lies between him and the media, because the media is never going to give him credit for anything because they loathe him so much. Well, let's talk about that a minute. Uh, there's no doubt that there's no love whatsoever from the media toward President Trump. Does that ultimately help him with a lot of the masses of people who also distrust the media when it comes to uh, looking toward this next election? I mean, six corporations control 90% of the news flow to the American people. And all of those corporations have an agenda beside making money. So Donald Trump is savvy in the sense that he can, again, pick up the instinct that a lot of Americans despise the media, and well, they should. The media is not telling the truth in many, many circumstances. But on the other hand, he gets caught up in it, and it distracts him. The last chapter of the United States of Trump 
I interviewed the president right after the Mueller report came out. It's the first time in the 30 years that I've known the man that he showed emotion to me. Now, he wasn't crying or any of that, but I felt it. And the emotion was relief. So the media, he, he is using it to his advantage, but it's taking an emotional toll on him, in my opinion. I want to just turn quickly. What do you see happening in terms of the impeachment process? Will it ultimately benefit Donald Trump rather than hurt him? If you step back away from the partisanship and the hatred that has enveloped our nation, and I say that sadly, Governor, and I know you feel the same way I do. I am I do. beside myself with sadness over the hatred that we are experiencing. We shouldn't. Donald Trump is not an evil man. He's not governing in an irresponsible way. That's the truth. But what you have now is a nakedly partisan attempt to remove him from office because the Democratic Party knows it has no superstar. There's no Bill Clinton, there's no Barack Obama, none of their presidential candidates have captured the imagination of the American electorate, none of them. So Donald Trump has a good chance to win re-election unless they can destroy him before the vote, which is what this impeachment thing is all about. I believe most Americans understand that, even though they're not getting the truth about impeachment. I wrote a column today about this is really why Donald Trump made that phone call to Ukraine. There was a reason he did it. All right. And it wasn't just to destroy Biden or get dirt on Biden. The much bigger picture. So the American public know when the fix is in, Governor. And that's what we're seeing. And there is a good chance, as you saw Nancy Pelosi and Willie Brown, of all people, right? We better watch it. We, the Democratic Party. Bill O'Reilly, always a pleasure. I hope people will enjoy the book, The United States of Trump. And I think President Trump is just glad that you didn't call it killing Donald Trump. <laughs> Thanks for having me in, Governor. The United States of Trump is available wherever books are sold. Be sure to pick up a copy. It really takes you behind the scenes and helps you understand what makes our president tick. And be sure to visit Bill O'Reilly's website for his powerful news analysis and the no-spin commentary for which he is famous. It's all available anytime at BillOReilly.com. Now, I know there's a lot of great things still in store tonight, so... Who else but Keith Bilbrey to tell us about it? Well, next, Suzette Graham helps wartime veterans get their VA benefits. And the Swing Dolls perform at Andrew's Sisters Deadly, right here on Huckabee. Well, every day, elderly veterans across the country deal with the stress of making ends meet while paying for rising medical costs and care. Tonight's Huck's Hero has found a way to help qualifying veterans get the help they not only need, but that they've earned so they can rest easy at night. Let's meet tonight's Huck's Hero. Patriot Angels is a consulting company, and we actually help veterans and widows get their benefits through the VA. It's actually called base pension with an upgrade to aid in attendance. If a veteran served at least 90 active duty days, one of those days during a declared time of war uh, with an honorable general or medical discharge, they are potentially eligible for this pension. Then they have to be over the age of 65 and in need of some care. Unfortunately, so many veterans and widows have no idea it's even out there. They don't know how to obtain it. It would be like trying to do your taxes when you're 80 for the first time. The VA is a huge organization and there's a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy that goes with being a big organization. They don't have bad intentions, but it's just difficult. And so a lot of veterans are not aware of the fact that they can get help. 
When my dad heard that he was going to get over 2,000, I think 600 a month, something like that, he cried. The gentleman called us, um, and he had finally got approved. He said I was eating every third day. Uh, my wife was in senior housing, and I needed to make sure I had enough money that she could get paid for. And he said, you know, finally I can eat. Those are the people that fought for us. Our job is to serve them and fight back. Mm. Well, with me tonight is the CEO of Patriot Angels, Suzette Graham. Suzette, thank you. Thank you. And for thank you for what me. you're doing for the veterans. Well, we love the veterans. Well, it's very obvious. And you've kind of uncovered something that a lot of people, most veterans, don't even know about. Well, most of them don't know. And that's something I have found out talking to veterans that just get out of the military. Even on their discharge, they're not finding out about this pension. And it's actually something that they earned. It's part of their pension. It's something that when they reach the age of 65 and over and are in need of some care, the aid and attendance benefit is there for them. And how much money are we potentially talking about that could be available to a veteran? So a veteran is $1,881 a month. A month? Every single month. A veteran married to a veteran is up to $2,985 a month. That's life-saving money. It's huge. It's I mean, that's, a huge that's benefit. meal money, that's right. rent money, that's doctor yeah. money. It, and a lot of veterans are struggling and this is right. their it's like it's in their account at the bank and they just haven't written a check. That's right, that's right. How do they go about getting they, signed up? They can contact us and what we do is we take a brief questionnaire to see if they're potential eligible or not. And um, we will take them through the process. Only 1.63% of all veterans are getting this benefit. 1.63%. That's, that's correct. So n basically over 98% of the veterans have this benefit it's there for them, it is theirs, right. their name is on it, and they're not getting it because they've never signed up for it. Right, it's not real easy. Uh, it, there is an application process, and uh, like I said, it's like trying to do your taxes when you're 80. Yeah. It's not something you should try to do on your own. Uh, but yeah, it's there for all these veterans and widows. Um, actually, there's about 16 million wartime veterans right now in the United States. Um, just became eligible as Vietnam veterans, and there's about nine and a half million Vietnam veterans and their surviving spouses that are eligible for this. Now, what Patriot Angels really does is you do the paperwork, the, the, the lifting, if you will. That is correct. So that they can, because you're right, most people don't want to go through all of that hassle. Right. So your organization is set up to be the connector between the veteran and his or her already earned benefits. That's correct. I want to say many thanks to Suzette Graham and Patriot Angels for the incredible work that they do in caring for our war veterans. We said we're going to tell you about it, so here it is. For more information and to see if you qualify for this benefit, visit patriotangels.com. It is on your screen. I think our audience is qualified to hear about how we're going to be finishing up our show tonight, but I'm going to let Keith tell you about it. Well, coming up next, a tribute to the Andrews Sisters by the Swing Dolls, right here on Huckabee. My next guests are a vocal group that pays tribute to the music of the Andrews Sisters. They celebrate 1940 swing and boogie-woogie era music that got Americans dancing during the days of World War II. And one of them is even from my alma mater, Washita Baptist University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, where most people can't even pronounce it, much less spell it. By the way, the OBU Tigers are 9-0 and in football this year. Welcome, please, Samantha Dunn, Andrea Lee Davis, and Kara Freeman. All dolled up, welcome the Swing Dolls. <laughs> I think it is so fantastic that you're paying tribute, not just to the Andrews sisters and the immortal music that they did that so really helped America through the war, but you're paying tribute to the veterans and their mm -hmm. families that were encouraged by the music of that time. What, I mean, you're obviously not from the 40s, so where did it come to your heads to say, let's do that kind of music? 
I think the first time that I did it was actually, I have a really good, uh, a strong musical background, even from elementary school and at Washita Baptist University. But um, <laughs> I think the first time I actually did a song by the Andrews Sisters was back in high school. Really? And I just loved, you know, the harmonies of, there's nothing like the harmonies. Mm -hmm. You know, the style is just so much fun to sing. And so that attracted me, first of all. And then I just um, never really lost my love for doing that and then I happened to meet this girl and you know joined the swing dolls mm -hmm. and just got to continue to carry on the tradition of their music so you guys met where in California yep and we met how did California. you say well, well let's do uh, swing music how did that happen well I have a kind of a special story my father is a World War II veteran mm. and his father as well, and the, both of them were serving in the Navy in the Pacific during World War II, but they were on different ships. And I have all the letters, and they wrote back and forth to each other, Dad, I really hope I'll see you sometime. Where are you now? And you know they could never say. And at one point, my grandfather went um, to, to war, to a battle, and his ship was sunk by a kamikaze, and he was rescued and brought aboard my father's ship, and they uh -uh. had a reunion at sea in the middle of the war. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's a, that is a movie. That's a movie ready to be made. It is, yeah. So the two of you, I guess, got to talk and had some common background. And where, yeah. when did the two become three? <gasps> well, well, we didn't give birth to her, but... <laughs> <laughs> we could have. <laughs> I mean, Kara and I met... Um, did about, yeah, 11, yeah. 12 years ago, maybe. Uh -huh. and, um, and she brought me into the group and... Been singing with them ever since. Oh, so and you guys, much. you perform all over the country at every kind of event, uh, network television. You've done major shows mm -hmm. and big events that yeah. honor veterans. So this is a part of what you do. But I mean, keeps you on the road. It does. Yeah, it does keep us on the road. And some seasons more than others. You know, some years are busier than others. So We've been so lucky, though, to meet so many amazing veterans. Mm -hmm. I mean, we sang for the honor flight mm. for the Pearl Harbor veterans going off to the 75th commemoration. Mm -hmm. We've been to Pearl Harbor and performed on the USS Missouri. It's just something that you, you can't describe in words. Well, it's great that you love the country, you love the veterans, and that you love the music that really helped keep America together during mm -hmm. a very, very tough time. Right, yeah. Well, obviously we didn't bring, here, uh, bring you here just to talk. We want <laughs> you to do some music. So as the swing dolls get ready to sing, I'm gonna let Keith Bilbrey take just a moment to tell you how you can get your hands on their music, and you're gonna want to. For downloads of their timeless renditions of great American songs, please visit their website, theswingdolls.com. There you can also find their tour schedule and information on booking them for your next event or show. And after the show, you can watch an exclusive performance of the Swing Dolls performing Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree at Huckabee.tv. And now, here to perform a medley of the Andrews Sisters hits, please welcome the Swing Dolls. So 
Bugle 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 Bugle